On the Foscast today, we are talking to Luton Town new boy Andros Townsend about exactly how a three-month contract works, losing £46,000 in a single bet during the height of his gambling addiction, getting humbled very quickly by David Beckham whilst he was at Tottenham Hotspurs, and the crazy dinner he eats every single night. Chicken feet. Yes, you heard that right. Chicken feet. Every single night of the Foscast. Andros, welcome to the Foscast, mate. Um, I believe congratulations are in order. Um, just re-signed as a footballer, a proper professional footballer again, back at Luton Town uh, in the Premier League, where you belong. Um, tell us about it all, mate, because it's been a long it's old summer It's been a long you, old it? summer. Um, so basically with Luton, uh, my agent, who was great, he was pushing the manager um, all summer. I think they were playing 3-5-2. So the manager was like, I like him, but we're not playing winger, so there's there's no need for him to come in and, and train and see how he is. And then, listen, I went here, there and everywhere. And then when I got back, uh, thankfully, Luton changed formations and were getting joy. They were playing 3-4-3. Three, three. So the manager then said, all right, let's have a look at him in training. Uh, I was there for a week and a half, trained really well. He came to me and said, all right, I just need to see you in a game just to see you can do it on a full-size pitch. Um, so I played for the under-21s against Leeds. Played absolutely horrendous. <laughs> it was one of the worst games of my career and I thought I'd ruined it. Um, so I basically then got my agent, just say to them, however you want to structure this deal, I'm happy. I've yeah. only got, like, however you want to do it, do it and I will sign. So thankfully we came up with a, listen, X amount, basic salary, extra if I'm available on a Saturday, another bit if I'm on the bench and then another bit if I'm a starter. So it works. If I'm horrendous, it's pretty much low maintenance for them. But yeah. if I play, then obviously... That that 21s game, right? You say you were horrendous. Genuinely, you've played 13 games for England. You've played yeah. nearly 300 Premier League games, yeah? Are you nervous for this sort of game? Because it's like a trial almost, yeah. isn't it? Not really. Not nervous at all. I was, I was so excited because I've not played... In 18 months, I've probably played six or seven friendly matches for various different clubs. So I was just so excited to play. Like thinking about it now, I should never have played. Like I should have said to the manager, listen, you've seen enough of me in training. If you think I'm good, yeah. offer me something. But I just love football. So I was like, yeah, no problems. I'll play. I'll smash it. And then literally I spent 90 minutes chasing around a bunch of 21-year-olds. It was honestly, it was soul destroying. And I thought I'd ruined it and all. what did you think afterwards? Were you, were you kind of that night, were you going back like tossing and turning, thinking about it and, and worrying? It was, a long, it was a long drive home. It was a coach journey. It was about four hours back from, I think it was York. And yeah, the, the manager didn't go himself, but the assistant manager went, the goalkeeping coach, Lotus first team staff went. So I generally thought that it was over. Um, but luckily we came up with a structure, a deal three months until January that suited all parties. Yeah. And yeah, just delighted to be back back playing again. So three months there, how does that work then? How does that work in your head mentally? Do you know what I mean? Because I think you've probably been very similar to me where you've always had like another year mm. left on your contract. It's pretty comfy, isn't yeah. it? You know where you are, you're settled. When it's a three-month deal like that, how does it work? Do you do you have to move house? Do you have to? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All those kind of little intricacies. I, I'm fortunate that I live 25 minutes from Luton yeah. anyway, so I don't have to move house. It's more the kids. I spoke about it before, and it's the kids now they haven't been in school since we left Liverpool in when did we leave? end of May. So they haven't been in school since the end of May. School school year started. I'm trying to homeschool them. The missus trying to homeschool them, and Oof. yeah, it's tough. So so now it's like. All right, I'm here until January. We need to find a school. We don't know how long they're going to be at that yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all that side that goes into it that people don't see. Myself, I'm fine. I've got three months. I love playing football. I love training Monday to Friday. So for me, it's completely fine. It's 
like the kids and and and, and it's and been a bit of disruption over the uh, the summer, I guess, because when you left Everton, you were up at Burnley, yeah. weren't you, and thought yeah. that and that that didn't yeah. quite happen. So, um, so, so basically, I left. I, I I got back to train the end of April, so I trained with with Everton for about a month, and as you would imagine, I've been out for fourteen months. So I was so far off the pace; it, I was miles off it, and I gen- genuinely went into the summer thinking, right. I'm done at the highest level. Like I'll, I'll look overseas and and like see my career out, sort of thing. My agent called and said, "Listen, Burnley want to see you in preseason," and I said I'll do it for a couple of weeks and then like not prove to myself that I'm finished, but sort of at least I say I've tried. And then I went to Burnley and like within a four week period, the manager got me into unbelievable shape. And by the end of the four weeks, I think we played Benfica probably one of my best games I've had in many a year. I played so well that they offered me a contract the next day. And I thought, yeah, this is me. I'm back. I'm back in Premier League with a, with a manager who wants to play the way I like to play. I thought I'd cracked it. Um, looking at schools, looking at houses, talking about numbers and what have you. Then unfortunately the manager changed his mind in the last minute, wanted to go in a different direction, which I I, I didn't agree with. I accepted. We, we shook hands. We hugged. He tried to help me. Um, get another club, so we left it on good terms. But it was, it did, it did feel like my world had ended. Well, you you had a four, so the cruciate injury, fourteen months, fourteen months. So I did uh, six months. Yeah, six, six months or, is standard, basically. Yeah, six isn't to it? nine months it's is a, standard. Yeah, about standard. So I listen. I'm. Let's not get into it. But I'm determined. I'm addictive. So I was all in. I wasn't listening to protocols. I was going for pushing it. it. I was pushing it basically. No matter how I felt, I was going to be back in six months. And I got a bit unfortunate because I just in a standard rehab session took a shot, last shot of the session, and then I re-damaged my meniscus. Oh. Yeah. So six months, then I had to go under the knife again, another surgery. Um, and then I really struggled for a few months dealing with no meniscus in the knee. I really did struggle with finding a, a, a balance. So 14 months. I can, um, from personal experience, like I said, we were speaking before the podcast actually started. I've had three of these crucial injuries. My longest one was nine months. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I think by the third one, I learned to just go, do you know what? I am not rushing this yeah. whatsoever. Actually, the third one, I was at uh, West Brom, Tony Pulis, and um, he said, should be back in three months, you should, mate. <laughs> he was not a believer <laughs> yeah. of science, yeah. mate. Honestly, he said, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. And I think, well, it's not, because I haven't got a cruise yet anymore kind of thing. But I know the sort of pain that you're going mm. through, mate, because some days you wake up and it feels incredible and you think, oh, yeah, I feel really good today. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, it's swollen, brilliant. Oh my God, like, it's a setback. It, it's never going to get right again. It's never going to get right again. So when you're back training with Luton a few weeks back, are you a little bit nervous or are you are you fully over it by this point? I think the nerves was the Burnley. Yeah. Once I did the four weeks of Burnley yeah, sure. and I got up to speed, then I was fine. I knew I could do everything I could before. But Burnley, yeah, that first few sessions, I was nervous. Can I still move? Can I still turn? Can I still beat people? Can I still do this? Is the knee going to be able yeah. to handle it? So yeah, those first few weeks at Burnley were tough. And what's uh, what's the first impressions of Luton like when you've uh, when you've resigned? Hard working, really? everyone. There's no can I swear on this? Yeah, yes. yeah. there's no dickheads. Love like, that. no dickhead yeah, policy. Like. Everyone is pulling in the right direction. Whether you're playing, whether you're on the bench, or not in the not in the squad, everyone is is pulling in one direction. And people will be surprised, but you you know that's not normal in no. in football nowadays. Especially not in the Premier League. Not in the Premier League. You normally have a. a Bad group, yeah. bad couple of players, but Luton, they have a rule. That's the manager said, like, yes, he wants to see me and the, and the chief executive said, yes, they want to see how I fare on the pitch, but they want to see what I'm like in the dressing room. Am I going to be a positive influence? 
Um, have you played at Kenilworth Road before? I think I have. I think many moons ago, England on the 16s, we played against Italy and I remember it being at Luton Stadium, yeah. Mate, it is um, some sort of an atmosphere, mate. Honestly, it is some sort of an atmosphere. I've played there a couple of times with Luton, uh, sorry, with Watford um, and wow, do they get mm. up for it, mate. Because it's so old school and it's so enclosed and even like you arrive it's it's so old that you are walking through like it feels like a dungeon mate really? I swear you're walking into the change rooms it's like a dungeon it's dark it's dingy there's like disused bars everywhere <laughs> so weird like it's well hard to explain right but it's cold and it's damp and it straight away sets a tone for it so I think from, me, from my perspective anyway if Luton are going to get safe this season which is going to be tough it's a big ass mm. you've just been promoted they need to make sure that home 100%. form is popping yeah. don't they you need to use that to our advantage if like you said it is like that these top stars are not going to appreciate coming to to Luton and pitch, and the fans are on top of you. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good place to play. In, um, we've got a few things we want to talk about today. We're going to I want to talk about you know some you, you've mentioned it in the past gambling. I want to talk about that in a minute. Uh, it's quite you know topical at the moment as well with um, Sandro Tonali being in the news from Newcastle. Um, but one question I want to ask first and foremost, right, is it's a VAR talk, right? I want to talk about VAR, Andros, yeah? I don't want to get too deep yeah. and everybody seems to be talking about VAR at the minute. Can, can, right? I, can I stop you there? Can I, because you did a podcast and you said that Sky Sports are in. Yes. I was in the studio that day. And <laughs> yes, you we, were. Did, we ran out. Of, honestly, there was so much to talk about. We just ran out of time and they said, normally we won't have time to speak about it. But when we come back after the break at half time, we just got a five seconds to say a few words before we kick off. So they did try to squeeze it in as much as possible. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think it was the, the red card to uh, Curtis Jones. We spoke too long. Too long on that. Yeah, so there wasn't, there was no, there was no the Premier League. There was League. no message from above saying, do no not talk about it. There was no message from above, It's just, for, from me watching it at that moment in time, it's, I just found it so weird though, that there was actually no replays yeah. of it in the actual game yeah. when it was going on. And I'm thinking, well, that's strange for one. It did, and then, feel, it did feel odd, didn't it? It did feel odd. And then like say, at the half time, and there were adverts for fun, I'll give you that. But I just thought, surely that has to be the first thing you come to because everybody could yeah. see it was onside. Yeah, listen, I was there, so I was. they wanted to go through it in, in order. Yeah. So the red card happened first. Oh, chronologically, then, chronologically, yeah. yeah. Yes, and then we just ran out of time and said, listen, we have to touch on it, but we'll speak more after the game. I forgot you were in the studio. You were. <laughs> yeah. It was literally it was, it was Monday night. You and Redknapp no, were went in yeah. on it, didn't they? It Monday night. Kelly yeah. Gates and Jamie Redknapp, Jamie wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so this is my question on VAR, right? So you've you've had a long career. You've played all over the place. You've played without VAR. You've played with VAR. How do you feel about it? Would you Are you happy with it in the game or would you rather just get rid and go back to what we know? Get rid of it. Really? As a player, as a fan, just get rid of it. Because as a fan, you're watching the game. You don't you don't know whether it's a goal or not. You don't know whether you can celebrate, celebrate or yeah. not. It's, it's a horrible feeling. I actually enjoy watching games now that there's no VAR. As a player, again, it's like every time, it's like a two, three minute break and ruins the flow of yeah. the game. Again, you could score in the last minute. Don't know whether you can truly celebrate or not. You don't know whether your big toe might be off, offside. It's just... Just get rid of there it. There was a bit of, um, we, we covered it on a show a couple yeah. of weeks ago and there were, um, I think it was you that said fans can't celebrate properly. And quite a large portion of the audience were saying, yeah, they can. And it's like, no, no, they, they can't. Properly. Not, properly. Not properly. Not like you used to. No. no. Yeah. And I think if they were to keep it, keep VR, which obviously is going to happen, 
the, the way to do it is embrace it more like rugby. rugby the Rugby yeah. World Cup's on at the moment and they have the audio comms. That's still not going to change the not no, being able to celebrate but, though, is it? No, it won't. But that it's, that's never going to happen. Like the, the taking it away, is we're, we're past that. Yeah. Is, is, do you think embrace the, it. Do you think the general consensus in football between players that you've played with, I know the answer mm. to this, do you think everybody would feel the same? Do you think every single think player so, yeah, would say, just get rid? Everyone hates it, yeah. Everyone yeah, hates yeah, it, don't well, they? Everyone else so I don't it, know yeah. why they're still going on with it. With it yeah. So I, I, somebody said this to me the other day. They said, why don't they do a trial work? Why don't they go, we're going to go one month, yeah? No VAR. We're going to go back to what we know, right? If it's human error, human error, cool, we'll take that. We'll live with it. You can stand but by it, can't the, you? The problem is, even with VAR, there's human error. Yeah. If it was faultless and 100%, <laughs> you could probably live with it, but... You're going from human error. Now you're going to a five-minute wake, uh, five-minute wait between decisions, and still human error. Just doesn't make it's sense. It's not even interpretation, is it? Because obviously you 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 could say oh, that's a foul, yeah. and I could say that's yeah. not a foul. So if it's an interpretation is- issue, that's one thing. But when it is pure human error, they don't get that mm. wrong in other sports. No. It seems to be VR in football where it's a problem. I played obviously end of last season, Wrexham. Okay. No VAR is the best thing in the world. I yeah, because you'd have got really. done for that penalty save for being off your line. <laughs> yeah, come on, that's pathetic. We're talking millimeters here, all right? But but we we everybody loves it. Mm. Everybody loves it. You know what it is. And I'll take a referee making a mistake in the game live yeah. at speed. You yeah. know what I mean? Where it's really hard to make the right call or the linesman. Like in that one game against um, Notts County. The referee, the linesman, made about five wrong calls. Genuinely, he, he kept putting his flag up, and he was onside. He was onside. But we'll live with that because it's human error. Mm. It's fine. But it's it's the slowing down of it. And I know the answer as well as you. I know every single player I've played with will say, "No, hate it. Just get rid of it." Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we cleared that one. <laughs> another up, right? to- another topical um, conversation at the moment, Ben. I know you wanted to talk about was uh, like the Ivan Tony situation, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so, um, well, I think the more current one at the moment is um, Sandro Tonali, basically. Yes. So, in the news recently, um, he's basically been caught, is that the word? He's been... Al- allegations. Yeah, he's, there's allegations that he's uh, been placing bets as a as a current professional footballer. Um, something you probably, you'll know a bit about anyway, Andros, with, you know, some of the stories that you, you've told in the past, and you've been very open and honest with it as well. Um, but basically what's happened is he's been placing football bets... And not just football bets, but football bets involving the football teams that he's playing now for. Now or in the past? I'm not sure. I'm t- I'm uh, Apparently from listening to, I was listening to TalkSport today, it's within the last year. So just before he moved yeah. to Newcastle. This um, is allegedly, we have to say. This is all allegedly. <laughs> Everybody probably knows what we're talking about. But the, from my perspective, I'm just, it kind of, every time one of these stories comes out, and if it is a recent thing, mm-hmm. and he's been placing these bets yeah. recently in the last couple of months or the last year or two years, it just blows my mind to think that They can't plead sort of innocence on this because as a footballer, you know as well as anybody, you're just not allowed to place a bet, are you, on football? It's as simple as that. No matter where it is in the world, you are not allowed to place a football bet. Yes, but my situation was probably eight, seven, eight years ago. Even back then, you wasn't allowed to do it and I still did it because I was in... First and foremost, I didn't think I'd get caught because no one did back then, but I was in such a hole that I didn't think about the consequences. So I don't know if this, if it's the same with Tonali and, and Ivan Tony that they they're just in such a such a mess that they don't think about the consequences until after. Don't think or don't care kind don't of thing. Care, yeah. kind I, of... I think this is overlooked because you said earlier on, Ben, that you were listening to Simon Jordan and, and the guys talk yeah. about it on Talksport, and I think it's very easy for a lot of people to jump on the bandwagon and crucify them. Yeah. And there's certain, I guess, illnesses or addictions that 
seemed to be more socially kind of, I don't know, accept, like accepted. And there's certain ones like maybe alcoholism, gambling seems to be the one where yeah. people have no, a lot of people seem to have no sympathy for it. Yeah. But like Andros said, if you're in the moment and you're addicted or if you're in a bad place, then it's not just a case of don't do it. Because it's not that simple, is it? Yeah. How so? From your from your point of view, how sort of tough was that living through that period where you were addicted to to gambling? So tough. Like I, the the one we spoke about before, where I lost forty six grand in in one bet. That was a night before a playoff semi final, wow. Birmingham against I can't remember who it was against, but for Birmingham playoff semi final the next night, I just couldn't. I was just on this app and I was looking at fixtures. Uh, there weren't many, so I just placed a bet and then lost it. And then I've got a. Can you remember what the bet was? It was something, I used to do ridiculous bets. It was like no, less than two goals in the last 10 minutes of a game. It would have oh, been wow. like one to 10 odds. Yeah, it yeah. was a banker. Um, and yeah, I got stung and tried to claw it back. There was nothing. I think I put a bet on snooker um, after that because it was late. It was a snooker bet. It got postponed. So I had to call up and get, get my money, money back, back to put, yeah, it, yeah, put it yeah. in something else. And this was a night before playoff semi-final, championship playoff semi-final, Birmingham. When you're running around that next day, then your head must be scrambled. Spinning. Yeah, spinning. Yeah. Oh my god. Did gosh. you get help at the time? Was was there help? I had one meeting with Sporting Chance, but I think by the time that I'd actually been sanctioned and I'd been scared enough to, to I, I just stopped betting. Like I thought my career was over. Because there was no now it's normal, but I was the first one that got yeah. done. So for me, I thought my career was over. They were leaning with me because they saw the situation I was in and, and the trouble that I was in um, with it. So they kind of helped me out. And yeah, I just put the fear into me and I'd never, never did it for many, many years. After I, I think, um, I think gambling in football between players is, is a big problem. I really, really do. Not necessarily mm. on like football bets or breaching the rules like that, but I just think gambling in general, just from my, my own yeah. experience of being amongst footballers, um, and how, you know, footballers, you've got to imagine, they're, they're cash rich. They've mm. got money, you know, good to go kind of thing. They can they can quite easily take some money off a debit card or credit card, put it into the gambling app, and it's, it's instant mm. as well. Yeah. And we were speaking about it for the pod is nobody knows. Nobody knows. You, you can do it on your phone. You can go and sit on the toilet and place a bet and you can lose mm. thousands of pounds in an absolute instant, can't you? And then walk downstairs and smile like nothing. nothing nothing's happened, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a crazy. So I've read a few um, bits about this where you said it's because of your addictive personality, and I can <laughs> I, I can sort of resonate with that a little bit because I've got a little bit of addictive mm. personality. Um, what is it that you found to replace the gambling? Um, do you know what I mean? You have to have something everything that fills it and feeds anything. it. I think at the time I was learning languages. We spoke about before Pokemon when Pokemon <laughs> Go first came out. I was addicted really? to that. Yeah. Pokemon Go. And I, languages. Languages. I learned Greek. Yeah. I'm, I'm half Greek, so I was learning Greek and I really did invest my time into that. Pokemon Go. I used to drag my missus before I had kids, I used to drag my missus around to all sorts of parks catching <laughs> Pokemon. It was insane. Really? Climbing over fences because it, the, the, the park was closed late at night. And now it's uh ever since I've done my injury, I've just been focused on finding recovery things, ways to kind of get an edge on other players, diet. I looked into my diet. So yeah, it's diet and recovery now. But yeah, back then it was more crazy. Wow. Have you, have you ever, um, obviously with this with this recent injury, have you ever gone down the slightly alternative route in terms of... Um, treatments. Treatments. What's alternative? You know, like um, 
Hulk's blood. Holistic. Do you, remember? Do you remember back in the day? That was a big thing, wasn't it? What's it that? was like, um, I'm sure it was like goat's blood or something. There was a guy in Germany. Yeah. They used to send all the players over and he would inject them. I'm sure it was something what? like goat's blood into the into the injury site. Yeah, slight, slightly. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. We I'll tell you who we did do, Ben. Um, Dan Bradbury on the golf course and he went to, no, Beef, sorry, yeah. on the golf course and he had a problem with his thumb. No one could diagnose mm. it. He went to see a, I think he was like a, maybe like an Asian, like an Indian type um Doctor, like a heal, healing doctor. Spiritual And he doctor. said, yeah, sort it. Yeah. I, honestly, you think, I believe that. because I don't know if it's crazy to you guys, but I've just tried everything in terms of like, you've heard of float therapy? No. So float therapy is like tons of Epsom salt into like a shallow pool, loads of Epsom salt, and you go in there, you float for an hour, and it literally makes you feel so, made my knee feel so much better. You just go and like lie there and meditate for an hour and literally just cures all of your problems. Can you, imagine, can you imagine? Can you imagine as a, an eighteen-year-old Andrus Townsend getting into all this kind of stuff? Honestly, no. But it's like the things that I've found. Even now, like for dinner, every night for dinner, I eat chicken feet. Chicken, chicken feet. feet. Chicken feet. Steamed chicken feet. <laughs> no, yeah. You don't. I swear to you. I swear to you. And, and what's the reasoning behind that? Uh, because there's collagen in the chicken feet. There's the cartilage. There's basically so much goodness that now that they put into pills and put into shots that the daily pills you take yeah, at yeah, training yeah, yeah. is mainly from chicken feet and random stuff like that. Where, just, where are you getting your chicken feet from? Uh, online. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I, order so it, I order it like massive batches. It comes frozen. I whack a load in the freezer and then how I do eat you, it. How do you eat them? Do you cook and boil them or what? You can boil them. I steam them. I put them in a steam oven um, 20 minutes and it's lovely. Honestly, it's, it's like chicken wing, but a chicken foot. Are you crunching away at this? Like, yeah, you are we have, talking claw in it? You have to, you, obviously you don't eat the bone, but you have to eat as much as the cartilage and as close to the bone as possible. So, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Like the nails, so I have to like eat close to the nails. Yeah. Did you ever get anything like that, Ben, when you were going through your rehab? Anything slightly unconventional? No, I don't, no, not really, no. I think um, I kind of found, I just found what worked really. Like I said, we, we've had cruciate ligament and anybody that's had a cruciate um, ACL um, replacement, it's, it's a tough road back is you know like i say it's a minimum of six months could be nine could be a year um but i just found that for me my knee would swell so easily and so often i'm talking even just sort of getting up and walking around the house a little bit pottering around you know what i mean um i could feel it start to swell so um i you know i i invested in a game ready which is basically a it's like a, a an icing machine icing and compression machine that you can take home fill it with water fill it with ice and it and it gets so tight around your knee but it genuinely does it takes the swelling out um so what i used to do i stick it on for an hour and a half 90 minutes which is the maximum you can do you wouldn't even be able to feel your knee afterwards and, it was like a dead leg and this is it. It so horrible when you get the, one of these injuries they are they say rice don't they rest eyes compel compression elevation. elevation it's basically that on steroids isn't yeah it? it's that on steroids yeah you're obviously you're taking all the anti-inflammatory stuff as well um which those even them pills they're horrible aren't they yeah. they're horrible for your gut horrible for your yeah. digestion um so anyway yeah i would i would ice it for 90 minutes and then I would quite literally the second that I'd remove this icing sleeve I would strap it as tight as I could just to try and because in my head if it was tight as it could the fluid couldn't come back into it and then once I'd strapped it I would sit up against the wall with my feet up the wall just so again draining it downwards yeah. kind of thing see I did the same thing but the I, it had the opposite effect because I'm like so professional and determined for nine months I was literally doing that rest ice compress elevate didn't go and pick up my kids from school, didn't go out for dinner, literally from training into bed, foot up with ice and my knee was just feeling so stiff, so crunchy, so bad. And 
in the end they said that it's because joints need to be moved, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And because I was just literally like that, stiff. for nine months, my knee was just so stiff and it just now wasn't really right. How much of a head, like, sorry, head fuck is yeah. that? When you're living your life and it just all revolved yeah. around your knee. Yeah. Because I know, I know from my own experience that if somebody says something like, just get up and do it, and you're like, it's my knee though, <laughs> yeah, all right? Yeah, yeah. And you, do, you lose your shit yeah. at it, but that is not a great place to be, is no. it? Yeah, it was, it was, honestly, it was a horrible 12 months just for not for me, the footballer, but for me, the human being who's got two young kids who before the injury, I would do everything with them. I'd come home from training, I'd play in the garden, I'd pick them up from school, we'd go for walks. I couldn't do that for a year. Yeah. Do you find that when you're a, you know, elite level footballer with an injury like that, apart from your nearest and dearest, do you feel like you're a bit hesitant to share how you're feeling almost? Or people go saying, oh, I've been having a tough time because my knee's crap. Because again, the public perception is, well, it's all right. They, yeah. You know, they're, they're a footballer. Yeah, it's just an injury. They get paid well. Yeah, this is this is the thing. Listen, we're so much better now and even teammates would be always asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? But you don't want to, like you said, for those reasons, you don't want to share too much because people now looking in have much more serious things to worry about. So yeah. you don't want to be, it's a, it's a first world problem, isn't it? Yeah. So you don't want to be putting your worries onto somebody who's got a, a lot, more going on in their life oh anyway mate you're looking a million dollars I can say that seriously and we're buzzing you over the injury great to see you back in the Premier League um, I want to talk about your younger career a young Andros Townend um, you went out on loan an awful lot mate an awful awful lot so obviously at Tottenham as a kid um, you actually got released for a couple of days mm. I read as well which is a bit bonkers um, and then whilst you were at Spurs so you went out on loan to Yeovil Leighton Orient MK Dons Ipswich Watford Millwall Leeds Birmingham and QPR um, talk to me about your experience as a lone player because we're getting a bit of a theme on the Foscast that most people we talk to have been out on loan and buzz off it as well yeah. for me I was 17 and in the first team was Gareth Bale and Aaron Lennon on the wings so I had absolutely no chance so as I don't want to talk about Gareth Bale I want to talk about Aaron Lennon yeah at one point Aaron Lennon I was in the England squad with Aaron Lennon and I thought this kid is going to be the best player the world has ever seen. Mm. Genuinely. Yeah, it was frightening. His pace, uh, you always knew what he was going to do. He was going to take you inside and cut down the line and stand up to yeah. the far post, but you couldn't stop him. Low centre of gravity. Low centre of gravity. Rapid, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was amazing. Oh. And then in the second half of his career, so hard working. Yeah. Like, managers couldn't leave him out because he worked so hard for the team. Um, yeah, so talk, talk to me about your loans then because... I just feel that going out to all these places, it just sort of rounds your, mm. not only your your footballing, you know, abilities and te technical abilities, but as a person as well, doesn't it? Yeah. The first one, 17, I went out with one of my teammates, John Abika, one of my closest mates at the time. We went there together and we were literally 17, second year scholars living at home to literally being in a hotel in, in Yeovil. So it was like, how are we going to survive? Are we going to be lower league players and, and go to the chip shop after training and get chips? Or are we going to, do what we learned at Spurs and, and keep that going. And, and we ended up going to, to buy an electric stove and in, in the hotel room, we were cooking pasta. We were boiling chicken <laughs> in, in the hotel room just to try and succeed really. Be professional. Be professional, yeah. Because I think the mistake players make is they don't want to be seen as being busy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You want to fit in. You want to fit in. Yeah. So I think it would have been easier for us to go there and have the pub lunches and go out for dinner at the, at the takeaways. But no, we were professional. We went home from training, we cooked our own food and we made sure that we did everything we could to, to succeed. That's amazing because I think um, with the loans, I was reading yesterday about your, your loans and there was a couple of um, kind of suggestions that your journey is, is a bit of a case study in the fact that um, I think your dad was quoted as saying it was the making of you. Mm, 100%. Yet 
Damien Camoli at Spurs said, you've succeeded despite the handling of you. And I, I guess that was the, the constant loan in him. He said that about me or about... Really? No, yeah, yeah, apparently so. No, every loan I had, even... So at Watford, I was there. I made my debut for Spurs in the FA Cup. And then the next week I went on loan to Watford in the Championship. Played three games and got sent back because I didn't integrate. Watford was similar to Luton. It was like a, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it was like a family. 2011, I think Watford was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So it's like everyone pulling in the right direction, no bad eggs. Whereas I was 19 and I was driven. Like if I'm not playing, I'm not happy. I'm not joining the fun games during training, after training. I'm not doing it. And that made me wake up and realise there's more to football than myself. So even that Watford one where it was it was a negative, it was a positive for me because it made me realise. So I, I disagree with what Damien Camoli says. I think every loan for me was a stepping stone to the last one was QPR in the Premier League. But every loan I learned something from Yeovil going from Spurs where you play tiki-taka football to literally fighting for their lives, long balls, second yeah. balls. I learned from every loan. I learned from it. And I think players nowadays... They'd rather have on their social media Manchester United rather than Yeovil Loney. Do you know sure. what I mean? It doesn't look as good. So I think players now are turning down these opportunities, whereas for me, it was, right, send me wherever I can to, to play football. Do you think that's what it is? Can you see that? Because I, I think I started to see that towards the end of my mm. career. I started to see the younger kids not wanting to go here and there. They wanted to stay at the Premier League yeah. club where you've got the brand new facilities, you're, you're getting your brand new boots, you look a million dollars, you're wearing Nike training kit. Genuinely, I've, mm. I've, I've seen kids come back from loans and go, oh, they wear this shit kind of like Van Daniel <laughs> training kit or New Balance training. And I'm like, you're taking the piss. Yeah. Like, just get out there and yeah. play, mate. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. I used to speak to the loan manager at Palace and he was saying there was so many pl young players who used to turn down like League Two, like non-league because it wasn't fashionable. It's crazy. How, how long has the loan manager thing been a bit of a thing? Because my, my understanding is that in the more recent years, you you exactly exactly that. So a loan manager will deal with all the young players going out on loan, speak to them on a, a weekly, monthly basis. Yeah, when them. did when did you start having a, like a, a loan manager, so to speak? That's a very good question. Um, I don't think I ever did. No, I think it more. The first time I heard about it was when Chelsea Chelsea used to send out. 10, 15 yeah. players on us. Yes. And the rest as well. And the rest, yeah. yeah. So when, when when it was me, I was just contacting my under 21 manager and he used to deal with it. Okay. But yeah, now I think that because there's so many young players out on loan, I think there's there's designated loan yeah, managers. Yeah, they're going to have to do that. I think we've got, got uh, like as a goalie, as I was younger, it was a bit better to be fair because my, obviously what, the goalie coach, if you're in the senior team anyway, there's probably what, four goalies, Matt? That's right. Yeah. So my goalie coach would just check in on me. We'll every, be in on you. Yeah, yeah, every Monday it would be ringing me or it'd be getting my clips and stuff like that and mm -hmm. he'd be able to look at them. Whereas the outfield players, you don't really have that kind of relationship yeah. with like a coach or yeah, a manager, yeah. do you anyway? Yeah. Like goalies, that's why I think goalies the best position. On the and, team. And anyway, you have a nice little unit. You know? One thing I want to ask you about was um, going on loan. So you made your debut in, in for Spurs in like Jan 11, FA Cup mm -hmm. round three, score a goal, get man of the match. And then you don't make another appearance for the rest of the you season. Know what? The problem with that is the next day, David Beckham turned up to train at Spurs. So I'd had my debut on the right-hand side thinking I, thinking I was David Beckham about to make my breakthrough. The next day, David Beckham turns up on his break from the MLS. He was training with the club and I couldn't even play on the right because David Beckham was there. So. Shut up. <laughs> so you've played for the squad. Yeah. You scored the day before. Got Man of the match. And just because Bex wants to use it for a bit of training to keep yeah. himself sharp, they're like, well, you're going to have to play on the right side then. Not even that. I was jogging around the pitch. There was too many in training so I was like jogging around the pitch while they were playing some side of games because there was too many players yeah. so from that night going home to going I'm, I've, I've, I've cracked I've it cracked I mean it, yeah. I've made it to then 
you were, I guess you were humbled pretty quickly yeah, the next day. That's football, isn't it? That's football. Like one day you can be up there and then walk crashing down to earth. So again, probably a learning experience for me. Bex, you bellend. <laughs> Brother, this you is absolute <laughs> bellend. Don't clip that one. Um, <laughs> but this is what we're saying about with Luton now, you, you do hear it so much. And I think that a lot of fans, probably me included a few years ago, would go, Andros is in at Luton, experience is so important. And I think a lot of people go, this is elite level football. Surely you just have the players in there and they're great on their own merit. But the importance of experience is oh. hugely, hugely undervalued probably by most of the armchair fans. Is, is that probably fair to say? Uh, listen, I can't speak what I can bring, but for me, I've played at the highest level since I was 20, 21, 22. Yeah. It takes a lot to get there and, and stay there. So I don't know, maybe the manager wants to see, wants the players to see how I conduct myself on Monday to Friday, how early I get into the gym, what I'm eating, how I recover, what my enthusiasm is like on a Monday morning when I haven't played the Saturday before, am I still? So I think that's what ex you can't replicate unless you've had those experiences of what we've spoken like about Watford before, like Watford and, and like we spoke about. So yeah, I think that's what experience is. Yeah. I, I think even on the pitch on a Saturday afternoon, I think if you're on a pitch with your looting teammates and you, you're drawing or something, it's the 85th minute, 86th mm. minute. And that's the bit there where I think, the other players can look around and go, oh, Andros is here, thank God for that. He's no, he knows what to do. He knows that if he gets it in a tight situation, mm, not to try yeah. prime, take, do anything stupid, maybe even just kick it out to Rose Ed. They can't score from Rose Ed, you know. I think those are sort of things that, even for me as a younger player, I would look around and think, he's experienced, he's experienced. I know I can count on him. And that's the thing that I used to love mm. seeing. So I know some of them young lads will love seeing you yeah. there in that position as well. Hope so. Yeah. Hope so. <laughs> I love we, it. we need to talk about... Um, Moving to Newcastle. Uh, one thing when we always chat in the, the podcast is whenever we talk about Newcastle, it tends to do, like go around socials because every, like Newcastle, St. James's Park is this magical place. Mm -hmm. what, what was it like making your debut at St. James's? It was incredible. Oh man, what a place. They love wingers as well. So for me, literally running down the wing, they took to me very quickly. Um, it was incredible. Three or four months, I think I was only there. I went in there end of January. We got relegated in May. So I was there four months, but I loved it. The fans loved me. They took to me. It was just a shame that we got relegated and I was doing so well. I got an option to stay in the Premier League and I took it. Yeah. Well, um, that that Newcastle little sort of like microcosm, is it genuinely as, do they just live for football? They there, live basically? for football. That's what it is about, right? Yeah. And the best thing is the stadium is right in the city centre. Yeah. So That's their church. Yeah, it's, it's their, their church, church, man. It's, it's unbelievable. What a club. And it's so nice to see how well they're doing now because those fans deserve it, man. We said it, didn't we? Imagine being there for that PSG oh. game a couple oh, of weeks ago. mate, we've got to go. We, we want to go to one of these Champions League games. Mm. We've got to go because I want to see, just even like people like Dan Byrne and Anthony Gordon, you see him anytime they did a good tackle and they yeah, were like, yeah, come on, yeah. that gets everybody yeah. warm. Bellingham was doing that the other night for England. Yeah. I love seeing that though. Yeah. And my last going. game for Newcastle, we had already been relegated our rivals, Sunderland stayed up. We got relegated. Yeah, we had a last, they, they won 3-0 yeah. against Everton. Yeah, Everton. So we, we were playing Spurs last day of the season and the fans decided, right, we're going to use this game to try and convince Rafa Benitez to stay. Honestly, we were relegated already. It was probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever played. In. Was it that the 4-0 or 4-1 or 5-1? 5-1, yeah. yeah. That was the year Leicester won the, won the Prem, weren't it? That would have been, and Spurs needed to win to finish above Arsenal. Yeah, for that the first was time it, yeah. In many years. Spurs yeah. eat it up, didn't Spurs, they? Yeah. Um, so that even being relegated, those fans 
were, were incredible. Um, I want to talk about your time at Crystal Palace. Um, Why don't we talk about Andros's debut at Crystal Palace? Oh yeah, let's talk about your debut so at the, Crystal Palace. The, then, the, I was doing a bit of research yeah. yesterday. It's innocuous. You won't remember it. Yeah. It was a one nil. You will remember oh, it. Yeah, yeah. It was a one nil loss it. to a, a Pulis. Yeah. What Pulis do you call West it? Brom. A Pulis West, wet dream, do you call it? Oh, yeah. A 1-0 win for Tony sure, Pulis. scored like a wide free kick or something. It was, um, it was. I think it was a corner. Um, I think Rondon flicked it on and James McLean tapped it in at the back post. sounds about right. 1-0 away win at Southhurst Park. It was disgusting, but it is quite literally a Tony Pulis wet dream, that is. But that's what you get from, when you're playing against that, you know what you're going to get, don't you? But when you're playing matches like that, you kind of are thinking, oh, here we go. Yeah, because I played under Sam Allardyce, so he was very similar. Yeah. So you know what you're going to get and you know when you, you play in these ties and they score the way they want to score. It's like, ah, oh, not that way. Like, you know it's them, coming. You know it's coming. Yeah. But don't, like, there's ways to lose football matches, but don't lose to West Brom with a corner or a set piece. <laughs> like, don't do it. Like, it's so, t- it's, it's so, so stereotypical. It's so stereotypical. Yeah. Just don't do it. But yeah. Mate, had years ago, we used to love it. We used to pride ourselves on it. Yeah. I'm not joking, you're right. Scoring one of them goals is, it's quite literally what we work really? for. You know what I mean? We'll do it. Like Thursday, Friday, you wouldn't kick a ball, really. It was set pieces of, right, put the ball into the box and it's like, no, it needs to be a bit higher, a bit more driven, because then you can get the flick on and then you all just pile it. Thursday and play. Friday. Thursday and Friday. Brutal, mate. Um, did, you have, did you have set piece bonuses? Uh, he did at some point. Yeah, he had he had set piece bonuses for scoring, and then he had um, set piece bonuses against as well. Yeah. So if you if you let in a set piece, um, you would get fined for it. Whoever's <laughs> manic was that scored, you would get fined for it. It was come off your pot, or you get fined for it. Personal fine, <laughs> <laughs> like a club fine. You're just, uh, no, seriously. Yeah, is that he, why all your back four are all six foot five? <laughs> yeah, damn right. It's six foot five centre backs. They were all. Everyone right back was oh, a centre back. That must have got heated after the game in the dressing room. Like it was. It was always a case of whose man was yeah, it. Yeah, whose yeah. man was it? Then you're getting fined for it. All right, that's it. Um, I've got a goal to show you. Um, which which goal? An Andros Townsend goal against myself. Um, it was stoked. at the Hawthorns. Oh no! Oh that! The, oh yeah! Wow. It was at the Hawthorns. It is the tide goal I've ever seen in my oh life my have a little goodness. look at this you want me to talk you through it or just watch it hold on we need to fast forward this bit because it gets it um, like cleared a few times that's Jonathan mm-hmm. Lecco by the way loses the ball Andros Townsend picks it up in the just edge of his own his 18, 18 yard, yard box. box pathetic tackle from Lico. <laughs> look at that hand oh, off I'm gone what's Johnny Evans doing here come across Johnny come across Johnny oh no oh no deflections done you Deflection done, done, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Andros has just ran basically the full entire length of the pitch. This is 2017, uh, Crystal Palace. This was like, uh, I think this sealed the game, 3-1 win or something, wasn't it? Again, this is prime Sam Allardyce. We were 1-0 up or 2-1 up and backs against the wall. You can see there, the start of the clip, we were all in our own edge of the box. Yeah. Counter-attack. Counter-attack. Yeah, you got Sam Allardyce. You ran, it was, I remember it going in, I just thinking, this is typical. This (laughs) is typical. Well, you went absolutely. We've just been pulis, basically. You went mad. Uh, was that your defenders who, who were you getting mad at uh, no I was it was a frustration thing because right, okay. um, basically Johnny Johnny should have come across her quicker anyway he didn't um, he leaves Gareth McCauley one on one with Andrus Town you never ever do you want to be faced at one one, but one the, the bit pro- with the, a winger the problem is though if he comes 
across Benteke. I don't want to go all Sky Sports, but if he comes across, Benteke is free. So yeah, it's like, true, yeah, true. This is where then then you can look at Rigi over the other side <laughs> and go, Rigi, come on, Gies, you need to get over a little bit quicker here. But I would I would still rather... Actually, to be fair, GMAC at least takes you out onto your left mm, foot, doesn't he? And yeah. lets you one one from there. But then Johnny tries to get a little block in. Um, he ends up deflecting the ball past me anyway. <laughs> right. But I just liked how tired you were, oh, man. God, Even mate. when you're running, right, I can see that there's no way you're going to be able to shoot here, mate. You're knackered. Just give up, all right? Just lose oh, the ball honestly. and give up, all right? Right. Now, we're talking of you're partial to a screamer or two. I think it's fair to say so. So this was goal of the season in the, what was it, 18-19? 18-19 season. season. Everybody knows this goal. Come on, everybody knows this goal. This was one of the biggest coupon busters, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. This game was one of the biggest, this is Man City in their pomp. We're talking David Silva, Sergio Aguero, all the big boys. At home to Crystal Palace. It's going to be, you're going to be captain Sergio Aguero, hoping him to get like a hat-trick or something like that. When you score a goal like this, do you, honestly, do you think, I'm going to win goal of the season with that. At the time or like afterwards? Anything. I generally thought I'd it, it nailed on. And then in, in the same season, Vincent Company, you know, the, the, I thought it was gone. Yeah. I thought it was gone. But, yeah. But the only reason they'd give that to Vinny Company is for like, um, like a, 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 a sentimental what it meant. thing. Yeah. But yeah. you know what the Premier League are like, give it to Man City. Do you know what? I thought, I thought it was gone. I was devastated. You're not, you're not not getting the goal. Oh yeah. my god, this is ridiculous! He was actually nominated for the 2019 Puskas. Should have won it. Should have won it. Who, who won it that year? Can you remember? No idea. But the Puskas is like a fan vote. Yeah. So like okay. the other guys had whole countries voting for him. It was just like. <laughs> I mean, that me. is some goal. That's isn't ridiculous, it? mate. It's an absolute ridiculous and goal. One th- I've got a note here, Ben, where um, Edison does one of those um, token dives, <laughs> token do you call dive. them? Exactly oh, I've got to try and die for it. Yeah, you've got to try and die for it. He knows that tonight on Match of the Day, if he doesn't die for this, then somebody will say something. So you're going to have to throw a little token dive in there. Ball gets cleared out. What that? That's, <laughs> that's fully 32, 33 yards out. Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, I've never trained for something like that. Never done oh, it before. Never done mate. it since. It was just... That is so pure. Yeah. On the volley, on the full, absolutely drilled. Edison nowhere near it, mate. What a goal. And then was. there was your one, I haven't got it up on the screen, but at Everton, wasn't it? That was early in your Everton career. Burnley, yeah. yeah. Burnley, yeah. Yeah, that was... That could have won a goal of the season as well. That set for me, I started... Like, fans didn't want me before I signed and then I started slowly and then that the Burnley goal was, right, I'm here, I'm... I think after that I went on like five goals in seven games. I, yeah, I, remember, I remember that. that. I remember yeah, when I you were when fight. you were sort yeah. of you were almost on trial again at Everton, almost kind of thing. It's almost like you signed and it was kind of. Oh, yeah, mm. but, but then, mate, we're watching you. I was thinking he's a proper yeah. player. Yeah. What are you on about? Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, I think at the, at the time Everton would sign in, like they were going for Hollywood signings, yeah, that's players it, yeah. that had dropped down. That's and, right. Yeah, and I think the money had just run out, so they'd got me in on the free. Uh, I just want to talk about a few of the managers you've played with, mate. Um, just wanted to do a uh, quick shout out, by the way. We didn't say it at the beginning of the podcast, but um, we are here today at Chesant FC. Um, we're actually in their boardroom at this moment in time. So massive thank you to you guys. Um, really appreciate you looking after us. Um, I just want to talk about, Andros, some of the uh, managers you played with. Uh, you've played for some big boys, by the way. Um, I just want a few few words on each of them. So we're going to start with Harry Redknapp. Oh, what a guy. Honestly, a, a attacking player's dream before every game, which like, get the ball wide to Andros and let him, is that QPR? Yeah. Just give it to Andros, give it to whoever's on the other side and let them create. Just give that trust to you. Yeah. Isn't it? That's yeah, lovely. That's that, incredible. It? Yeah. Uh, Andre Vias Boas. He gave me my break in the Premier League. So I'll always be grateful for him. He trusted me when Gareth Bale left, Gareth Bale left. He sort of gave me my break in the Premier League. So I'll always be grateful for him. Uh, we have got Mauricio Pochettino. 
probably one of the best managers I've worked under. Yeah, he's so hardworking. He really does get you fit, fitter than you've ever been before. You like, you'll be in the gym 3 p.m. doing like, you heard a Vertimax machine? Yeah. Doing oh, like Vertimax machines for hours. Yeah, the little jumps, so like quick, yeah, yeah. quickie jumps, yeah. Yeah, so he really opened my eyes to, to how to truly be fit. I um I heard a story that he, he basically was doing double sessions every day up until about Thursday, basically. Tuesday, uh, Monday and Tuesday, we double session, I think, if I'm not mistaken, oh, back wow. then, yeah. And literally, like, he was so controlled everything. Like, his, one of his assistants would, you know, do you remember last scene on WhatsApp? Yeah. Yeah, one of his assistants would be on WhatsApp checking when the boys had last seen. He'll come in in the morning, oh, you had a late night last night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally controlled everything, but yeah. What? Turn it off, lads. Turn off last <laughs> yeah. scene. Are you for real? Come on. Um, give me a little bit about Sean Deitch. Uh, what a guy um, obviously I'd never played under him but when he came in I was at my lowest and he literally just forgot about football and just asked we had an hour 30 minute conversation about how I was as a man um, oh, he said nice. yeah it was, that it was doesn't amazing. happen does it no not anymore um, and finally um, current manager Rob Edwards what's your first impressions of him he's been really really good with me um, he's been patient he knows that he knows what I can offer and he knows that I'm not quite there yet. So he's been really great to try and get me up to speed as quickly and as safely as possible. What about Roy? He played under Roy, didn't oh, he? Roy, man. I owe my whole career to him. Um, he gave me my debut with England, gave me my first 11 caps of England. Had four years of him at Crystal Palace where he really took me from a boy to a man. Honestly, I owe... I owe Roy absolutely everything. You like him as oh, well, don't you, Ben? I'm so glad you said yeah. that, right? He's, he's probably my favourite manager that I've ever had, Roy Hodgson is. He's just... Just a lovely man, isn't he? he? Is, yeah. He's got a horrible temper in him, oh, yeah? People don't realise. Nasty snaps, like you realize. wouldn't believe, but the one, literally the loveliest man. Mm. If you do it properly and yeah. you're professional, yeah. he will give you everything you've yeah. ever wanted. But if you were a dickhead, he will call yeah. you a dickhead. It's as simple as that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. West Brom or Watford? Uh, West Brom. West Brom. He, like, 75 and he was on the training pitch yeah. every day, yeah. kicking boot, balls, Watford. booting Watford, he was my manager well, at yeah, Watford. Yeah, exactly say, the same thing. Booting balls at 75, it's incredible. Like you have 30 year old managers now who don't get hands on on the training pitch and he's doing absolutely everything. Yeah, he took me to the World Cup Brazil, played a game in the World Cup, that'll do me forever. Roy so, Hodgson. Yeah, to be fair, he left me out of Euro 2016. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did enough, though. Yeah, he, he did, did Yeah, he did make up for it. <laughs> um, right, mate, last ones. We've got some quick-fire questions. Um, once again, thank you so much, mate. Um, okay, ready for this, then. Um, Andros Townsend, quick-fire questions. Uh, what is your bucket list sporting event as a fan? One day, one event, what are you going to watch? That's a tough question. Quick-fire. Um, one of the Formula One... Yeah, probably Monaco, Monaco, Miami. There's Vegas Las Vegas, Vegas now. Would be yeah, good, wouldn't it? I, not me in Vegas. No, yeah, Sorry, yeah, 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 Vegas yeah, will be yeah. good. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was saying Monaco went much better. Yeah, mate, to be fair, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the best football match you've ever played in? A match where you've walked off the pitch and gone, Jesus, that was bonkers. Can I say the City one? Yeah, yeah. Yes, you can. Beat City three two away from home. Scored one of the. Best goals ever. Yeah, yeah. you said yeah. that, not me. Yeah, and yeah, coupon buster. So yeah, yeah it was a one. coupon buster, wasn't it? Um, I've played in two five-all draws, you know. Have you? That's nice, isn't it? Man United, West Brom, and... Yeah. Rex, so Alex Ferguson's um, last game, game. Yeah. and your and my last, last ever game. game. Yeah, that's what letting five goals in does to you. Um, do you have any secret talents? Mm, I can do a headstand. Okay. Uh, <laughs> any phobias? Spiders, snakes. Ooh. I've got a new question for you, which we, we thought of the other day. One person you are pleased to have met 
in the last year? Oh, that's good. Could be that's football, could question. not be football. It's a lovely question. I know it's meant to be a quick fire. A lot has happened this last year. That's why I asked it. <laughs> Can we come back to that one? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come back to that one. one. Who's the most famous person you've met? Either David Beckham or Prince William, oh. depending on how you want to. Okay. Where do you mean Prince William with England? Uh, we did a mental health event together. Yeah. He was campaigning a mental health charity and he invited me to do one event. Yeah. I think I've got um, the best answer for most famous person. I cool. think you have. Um, Nelson Mandela. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool, isn't it, lads? Yeah. I've actually got a picture at home as well. Was that with the national team? No, it was with no. Man United back in the day. Oh, we went tour of South Africa and we got to go meet him and you, had to, you got to shake his hand and say, um, I think you got to say, nice to meet you, Mr. President. And that was it. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, what good about one. Um, the one player you've played in your career who you'd most like to have on your team in a quiz? Oh, my team in a quiz? Yeah. I love how every footballer struggles yeah. with this question. Brad Friedel. Aye, yeah. I like that. He either knew absolutely everything or he thought he knew absolutely everything. And because we were stupid, we believed. Yeah. Does that make sense? We yeah. believed what he was saying. Classic GK, yeah. that is. Either way, he would say it with authority. Yeah. So and you he believed him. 20 years older than everyone else, so we believed him. Um, Andros, that was world class. Thank, thank you so you. much. Uh, once again, thank you to Cheson uh, FC. Really appreciate it. Um, up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got to up the, oh, sorry. <laughs> up the Fozcast. Go on, the boys. Thanks everybody for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Fozcast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify. Up the Fozcast. <laughs>